Shalom Aleichem, good evening tonight, Thursday night. Chassidus on a roll, as is Hashem, we're going to learn. I still owe you a share I mentioned yesterday. I'm still going to be as Hashem with Hashem's help. We're going to make up the share that I removed and I want to redo it. But tonight, I didn't want to take away the Thursday night Chassidus class for that Monday night very important class. So that's coming. That's Hashem. Being that we don't have much time because I want to do it in Pasha Shalach. So it's going to have to be Bezus Hashem on Friday. But I think the message in that class is, is um, far greater than just Pasha Shalach, although we're using Pasha Shalach as a jump start. So stay tuned tomorrow. Hopefully with Hashem's help, there shouldn't be any obstacles and we'll be able to do that class. But now we're going to learn a discourse in Lakuti Torah. Pasha Shalach is one of the weeks that I have quite a few discourses that we didn't study yet. Mainly they are biurim, just like we finished in Pasha's Bamid, but we did a biur. A biur means an explanation of the discourse. Now we do another one, a biur. This one is on page Memhei in Lakuti Torah on Ahmed Beis, which means the second column of Daf Memhei. Bir al Pasik um, I did not do justice to my preparation over here, and I only ran through it quickly once, so uh, we really need Hashem's help. We always need Hashem's help, but that that, that you should clarify um, and bring out the mimer in all of its light and deeper meaning. Okay. So this discourse is an explanation on a previous discourse, which we learned, I don't remember when, but we learned it at some time. And here we go. This discourse is explaining primarily the Indian of the Tcheles. You know, this week in the Parsha, Parsha Shalach, in addition to the story of the spies, all the way in the end of the Parsha, there is the commandment that we should wear the fringes on the garment. Every Jewish man, just like there's the prayer shawl, the prayer scarf, the talit, and the talus has uh, fringes at the at the end of the garment, but there's also a small talus called the talus cotton. Some people refer to it just as tzitzis, in which we wear these um, 32 strands, eight strands, are hanging down in each corner of the garment. And um, it's a very, very amazing mitzvah, very powerful mitzvah. And it, we, it's supposed to serve as a reminder for all the other mitzvot. And Hashem says, when you wear the talis, you will remember all the other mitzvahs that I've given you. So, um, so Rashi says already, tzitzis is, the numeric value of tzitzis is uh, 600. And then with the 13, um, the, the, with the, the eight strands and the five knots, it ends up being 613. It's the number of mitzvahs. So therefore, when we're in tzitzis, we remember all the mitzvahs. Obviously, there is deeper and deeper and deeper. Now, amongst those tzitzis, which are usually made out of wool, uh, strings of wool, in addition to that, one of those uh, pieces of wool, one of those strands of wool 
is dyed with blue. Tcheles, blue wool. So you have white wool and then one strand of blue wool. So here he's going to explain what is the significance of this. He's going to start off with the blue wool and then we're going to get a general understanding on the whole concept of the tzitzis. So mainly, as we're going to learn, the main idea of the tzitzis is, as we said earlier, it's supposed to keep a person in check. It's supposed to keep a person in check. Simply it means it's supposed to serve as a reminder that we live our lives, we've, we, we remain contained within God's parameters. The nature of the, of the heart is that it wants to run in every direction that it will find some kind of entertainment. That's the heart. The heart is looking for a thrill. So the heart is constantly scanning, sniffing around, looking for where it can find some kind of a pleasure, some kind of a delight, some kind of a thrill. And we always have to keep the heart in check, that we only find and and allow our heart to engage in what is kosher, not only what is kosher, but what is meaningful and what is um, uh, connected to our connection to God. That means all of our heart and all of our love really should be only towards one thing, our purpose in life, our connection with Hashem. And when our heart goes astray, which is discussed, as you see, in Parsha of Tzitzis, it discusses that... Um, do not go after your heart that's going astray. So the heart, as we're going to learn later in the mimer, is a little a little prostitute. What's a prostitute? A prostitute has a, has should I mean a real meaning of a prostitute is not a single woman who's searching for um, for uh, outside um, or for whatever um, cheap thrill. Um, the real idea of zona, according when the Torah says prostitute, meaning the Torah, the word zona doesn't really mean the same regular meaning of a prostitute. It means a woman who's married, who is seeking, who is seeking intimacy outside of her marriage. That's the idea of the zona, and that's when a woman is called a real zona. So a woman who commits adultery, she's married, and then she goes outside of the relationship. We are all married to God. Our our souls are married to God. And as our soul comes into the body, the body is also married to Hashem. And therefore our pleasure, our delight, our our thrill in being in, in, in life should be coming from divine experiences. Um when the heart um starts running around in all directions, uh then we then and, and if the heart steps out of the relationship, steps out of the loyalty to God. For sure, when it does a sin, and let's say the sin is because it's seeking to get pleasure from something that's not kosher, in that sense, it's like we're having a relationship with someone else. In other words, there is some other foreign entity. In this case, it's another God. It's another power, something that God says, I am not, or I'm not revealing myself through that, some form of a dark entity that wants to enter into your consciousness and into your life and to provide you with some kind of a thrill, some kind of, a, provide us some kind of a pleasure, some kind of a delight. And that's like we're being intimate with something other than God, and that's the idea of a zona. So the verse is telling us, don't allow your heart to go astray. Don't allow your passion. Being, I know God is saying you're living in a, in a, in a, in a, in a material, physical world 
where there is so much seduction, there is so much um, out there that is trying to trying to seduce you and pull you into it. I keep your heart focused to me. Now the tzitzis is supposed to serve as a reminder. I mean, the famous story of the Talmud, the Talmud says how there was one of the students of, uh, I think, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, that's what I think it is, one of the great, great uh, Talmudic uh, students, a great rabbi, and um, he, you know, got got uh, got carried away with a certain prostitute. She was a very, very known prostitute in the sense that, you know, like it was impossible to resist her. She was like on a whole other level. And uh, he was about to commit the act, and suddenly his his he his tzitzis, his talit, the fringes of the tzitzis kind of came alive, and it slapped them in the face. It like jumped, it sits the strings and it smacked him in the face. And when it smacked him in the face, he remembered the tzitzis, he remembered God. And he, and he basically, uh, you know, let her know that it's not happening. Mm-hmm. And um, in the end, what happened was she herself converted and they got married. It's a crazy story. She was so impressed by him. She she realized that a person could, could have such self-control after he was already in a state where he was about to commit the, the, the sin with her. And the fact that the tzitzis was able to, she was she was blown away by that. She, she never saw something like that. In the end, she converted. She married him. The Talmud says that those very bed sheets that she, that she spread to him in a forbidden way, when it was still non-kosher, when she was, she now laid out those bed sheets in a kosher way, in a holy way, because she was his wife. And so that's to show you the amazing transformation, that when we keep our minds straight, we can take all dark things, not only to push them away, but ultimately to convert them and to unify them with, with Hashem and with godliness. But how did that all happen? It, it took place through the tzitzis. So we see that the mitzvah of tzitzis has a special power to remind us and keep us conscious about our connection to Hashem. In other words, our tzitzis remind us that we are married to God all along, and we should not go seeking outside. We shouldn't go chas um outside of the relationship, outside of the outside of the marriage. Now, um, so why is it with tzitzis? And now we're going to learn a very very deep idea. Of what is the inner realm of the tzitzis? What? Why does the tzitzis have that? I mean, I mean, on the simple level, because you're wearing something. Your clothing is always with you. So when you wear your tzitzis, and yeah, you're obviously recognized that it's a religious garment. It's a you're you're doing this, and it's, you, you think about it for a second. You recognize you're remembering Hashem, so you can violate God's commandments. So you have a reminder, just like we set other reminders. There's another idea that the tzitzis are made up of knots. And uh, the idea of a knot is that also represents the idea that you're, you can't become disconnected because you're knotted. And, not, and knots also help us remember. Um, a lot of people used to have a custom that when they wanted to remember something, they would make a knot. And a knot on their clothing, and people would take the tzitzis, make a special knot on it, a tie. And that serves, when you see that knot, it's a reminder. So it's not only, okay, you can make anything. You can, you can, you know, take a pen mark and write it on your hand and you see that, oh, I remember. You can do any kind of sign. Um, the idea of, of, of making a knot is because 
the, the, the memory comes from being deeply connected to something. That's how you remember it. If you're, if you're, if you're very weakly connected to something, then you forget. Like something that's extremely, extremely important, we don't forget. Again, things that are not so important. So when we remember it means to uncover that sometimes there are things that are really important, but we, we don't, we're not mindful of it. Like our children, for instance. There's nothing more important to us than our children. Yet, because of the external uh, elements in life, sometimes we put our children on the back burner over immediate, immediate gratification, which we put on the front burner, which sometimes can be so ridiculous, insignificant. People can take a, a silly hobby and put it in front of their children. They have no time for their kids at all because they're busy, you know, watching football, which is like crazy. Now, push comes to shove. On a real, 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 true level, if you ask the person and you really, really dig deep, that children mean much more to them than the football. God forbid the winning team lost, and let's say it's complete, they'll be upset for two days, but God forbid they lost a child or something, it will devastate them completely. Yet, it's possible that the, that the person will, you know, um, forego on spending time with their children and spend time only, you know, watching football the whole time, which is ridiculous. It's because you're just becoming disconnected from who you really are. So by making a knot, for instance, let's say if you're making a knot that I should, you know, oh, you make a knot so that you remember that six, you know, it's, it's it's 4 p.m. I have to go play play frisbee with my child. So what is the idea behind it? Or do homework with my child, or or tell my kid a, a bedtime story, uh, whatever. What's the point? The point is, I'm, I, 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 I'm, I'm bringing myself back to the idea that I'm not into my child. That it's a much deep that I can't forget my child. I'm, I'm uncovering that really, and on a deeper level, my child is my whole, my whole life. Everything is my children. So the same is with God. We have a knot, and the knot of the tzitzis help us remember that we're not a Tashem. And even though sometimes we forget and we think making money, or, or, or enjoying ourselves through fine foods and dining or, or other experiences in life are more, more interesting to us and more important to us than our connection to God. But that's because we're living at the moment where we are living uh, on the outer surface of our being. We're, we're in a complete disconnected state of our true selves. So we have the tzitzis to always remind us. So that's another reason how we remember. See, that's all that. But here, we're going to learn that it's also a godly dynamic. There's something very, very, very godly in this. It's, it's, it's a spiritual idea. There's something divine. It's a mitzvah. So there's something divine that's flowing in the tzitzis that holds us and does not allow a, the person to become, dis, to become disconnected. It prevents the person from sin. So let me just do a little briefly something before we... Now, in this mimer... Again, in order to understand this mimer, it helps a lot. This again, this is an explanation on the main mimer, so it helps a lot to learn the main discourse. Which today, which today we're not going to learn the main discourse. We're just learning the explanation of the discourse. <coughs> so the the um, you wait till it to to you'll see I'm teaching, and then you know to come. Is that it? Okay. Because I, I I I had something I had something good to you to tell you before the share. I'm gonna have to tell it to you after the share. Okay.
Oh, we blacked. We blacked out. We blanked out for a second. Okay, I'm back here. Okay. So here's the way it works. This is the idea. Really, there shouldn't be a possibility to 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 disconnect from God at all, because God is reality. Hashem is, and there's none but Him. Hashem is reality. Hashem is existence. There shouldn't be a possibility in any way, shape, and form of ever becoming disconnected from God. The reason it's we are possible that we can is because Hashem gave us free choice. And why? And 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 how did Hashem give us free choice? Hashem created us in a state of that as a creation, He creates us in a way of disconnect. I'm going to refer everybody back to the class I gave last week, Tuesday night. This was the class I did in Phoenix. Um, and over there we spoke about free choice. And we spoke at the idea that the, how we have free choice is because we are living in the in the space. There is this little disconnect space. When Hashem creates the three worlds, Bria, Yatsira, and then it comes to the world of Asiya, there is this Af. Af is, creates a space. That space is the disconnect from the creation from the Creator. Because of this, that disconnect, we get independence. And we get kind of an imaginary type of an existence that we exist separate from God, and therefore we can make a choice to obey or not to obey, to listen or to not to listen. Now that power of separating the creation from the create from the creator is due, is primarily felt in Oilamasiya, in the lowest form of existence, but really its roots of it is in the general concept that Hashem creates the world through and the medium of the attribute of kingship, of Malchus. Malchus is the attribute of kingship. And so what does kingship have to do with separation? Because the whole notion of a king is that a king has subjects, and the subjects are obedient to him. But if the, if the subjects don't have any independent existence, then there's no one to be obedient. As mentioned many times, you can only be king on strangers. You can't be king on yourself. The whole kingship doesn't work. You can't play king over your own limbs. It doesn't work. King needs to be that there are foreigners, people that are not you, and those people see you as, as, you, as their master and are in a state of submission and servitude. So when God wants to be a king, the notion of kingship calls for a world that is separate from him. And that's how there is separation, and that's where free choice comes, and so on and so forth. Now, what's the point of that separation? So the point of the separation and the disconnect is not, God forbid, that the creatures that are created with independent, with independency, with uh, w- uh, uh, and given some kind of form of an of an autonomy, some kind of s- separateness, is not that the creations should then, you know, take that opportunity of disconnect and further their this and 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 run away from God, and you know. And, and 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 build their own empire or do their own thing. That's 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 defeating the whole purpose. The purpose over here is that God gives the creation independence, so they can willfully choose to connect to Him and to serve Him, and to attach themselves to Him. Now, the whole purpose of the disconnect is so that we can forge a bond 
But that bond that we will forge is going to be to our credit. We are doing it as opposed to it being naturally to us because everything is God. That's the pleasure that God gets out when we, even though it's a struggle, and we all know it's a constant struggle because today I can be very connected. Tomorrow I can wake up feeling very rebellious. Or if I can be 9 o'clock in the morning, I can be very connected. And then and by 11.30, I can feel very rebellious and experience temptation, desire, want, this, that. And uh, slowly, uh, you know, even though I know I should be doing something or not be doing, or I shouldn't be doing something, and I'm like the divine is not the main thing in my head right now. Or even if I know it, I'm like choosing to push it out of my head so that I can do chas v'shalom, God for what I want, which is not the will of God. So that's, Hashem wants you to have that space. He wants you to have the struggle. And he derives pleasure when you overcome those urges and wants and whatever they are and submit to his will. That's the idea. So the point of the disconnect is to reconnect. Okay. So now, what are we saying? That, but there is the danger. Because once you're disconnecting and you're giving something a mind on its own, you know, it's like it, it's like you're you're giving your child car keys, and your and your intentions are that the child now can help you run errands. You're giving the everybody has a situation where it's so difficult. Every time you have to go to the store, you have to get into the car, go yourself. Okay, today the world is changing. You have Amazon. You have all these uh, all these things that you can sit and make orders to your house. Mamish Mashiach stays. Unbelievable. We're not even realizing how 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 miraculous this is. You just sit. And boxes come all day long. My wife is busy bringing boxes. Boxes are come. And it used to be every single time you needed to, you have to go to Target, you have to go to here, you have to go, you have to, and now everything, you know, everything you can order. But I remember those days, I, was, I remember when my daughter was able to start riding a car. I was always the one. My wife, is, she's cooking, she's doing, thank God, she's doing all the great stuff. Who was the, who was the guy who always had to run out to shop? It was always me, go get me five. I forgot to get potatoes, so go get that, go get the sugar, oh, you forgot, Right? So when your child can run errands because they know how to drive, you're very happy. But you all know the danger. You give your child the keys. <laughs> you're not so sure if they're going to be running errands. They can run off and do their own thing. And in the middle of the night, you have no idea where they are. So uh, that's a whole different story. So when God disconnects us and separates us, there's always that danger. So Hashem wants to help us, <laughs> help us remain connected. That the disconnect should bring us back into the connection and should be for the sake of the connection. So what happens? The fringes on the garment do that. Why? What's the relationship? The garment, malchut, the kingship is called the garment. Hashem, what do we see? It's a verse. Hashem, malach, geus, lavesh. Then Hashem's malchus, Hashem's kingship, sovereignty, he has garbed himself in sovereignty. Why is it called a garment? It's very simple. Because it's a cover on his truth. God's truth is that he is and there's none but him. He's everything. So the whole Mishagas over here that we have independent and we have choices and we can do this and we can do that, that's all through the prism of Malchus, which is covering on his truth. So from the higher, deeper perspective, it's all him and we're not really making choices, and, and we're all canceled in his light, and everything is running exactly in his realm, but yet that, there's another truth. There's the truth from within the construct of Malchus, where, the, where it's really real that we are, and it's not like it's not true. We really have free choice, and we really, 
but that's within the construct of Malchus where Hashem is covering on his truth. That's why Malchus is called the garment. Okay. So the garment represents that 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 barrier, the divine barrier that allows for the creations to move outward. Now we know that the first recipients of energy after Hashem creates after Hashem um, um, channels him, his, his creative life force through the filter of Malchus, the first recipients are the highest creations. Who are they? The four beasts of the chariot. The four beasts of the chariot are the first recipients of life. These are the first creations. And from them come all forms of life. They're all, it's all, it all evolves from these four elements. Or one of the, another, another, another um, reference to the four at the beginning of creation is when it speaks about the river coming out of Eden, which is the flow of divine energy. And there it's all one river that flows out of even Eden. It goes to the, goes to the garden. And then it says after the garden, from there it forks off into four rivers. The forking of the river into four rivers represents once energy is already going into a state of disconnect, of separation. And again, meaning to say a, a level of consciousness and awareness where you are separated, where you exist outside of God and therefore are given a choice. And that's the four. So the four corners of the garment, hear that? This is great. It's amazing now. So now the garment is the power of concealment. The four quarters of the garment is where that divine energy, which is really a cover on, on God's ultimate truth, but God's kingship is made is 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 form is 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 uh, flowing into the actual creation, which are the four the four forms of life, the four different types of beings that there are. So that's the point of disconnect. That's the point of independence. So for the Jew, God says, I, I don't want you to be like everyone else that once I give independence, you run off and you'd make your own party. I want you to be independent, but choose to serve me, to come back to me. So what am I going to do? So what does God do? Into the four garments, he drills a hole. See? That's, you put the tzitzis in the threads. Go right over there. It's the thread of divinity that comes down into into the disconnect, not to allow the disconnect to be a full disconnect. So even though we have that, that, and we have once there's disconnect, this evil inclination, there's ego, there's all kinds of self, self, uh, uh, you know, motivation that's that that you know that that's driving us to serve ourselves and not serve God. But there comes the tzitzis, and the tzitzis pulls us back. And that's why this mitzvah of tzitzis is like the ultimate mitzvah to help us remember all the mitzvahs. Probably the reason why women don't have it, men have it, because men have a greater problem with running away. Women are naturally more sensitive and they remain connected. They don't need that constant reminder. But the men do need it. And uh, now, and based on this, we'll understand what's that blue thread doing there. Because the main one, the main power to impact this is this thread of, of blue. But now the whole parsha of tzitzis is so delicious. 
is so beautiful because it's suddenly it's in, in the end of the parsha it says don't allow your heart to run astray like we spoke earlier because that's the problem the problem is once i give you independence you might become a prostitute you might run off and start having relations with some other forces and let's think about it this concept of god separating and the point of the separation is to bridge is literally the concept of man and woman Men and women were originally one entity. Adam and Eve were one. Then what happened? God broke away. Not Hashem uh, 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 did a, a surgery, first plastic surgery. Disconnected a rib from Adam, from Adam, and he made Eve. He made Chava. But why did God disconnect for the sake of disconnect? The point of the tearing, he's literally tearing, he's, 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 he's ripping off a rib from Adam. Was he taking something away from it? No, he was enhancing it. Why? He gave him a wife. And what's the point of the wife? That they come together in them. And now they're actually, now he's more, he's more himself than he was without her. She together with him. Now it's a deeper, a deeper satisfaction and a deeper oneness. But what happens if you rip off the rib and the rib runs away? It doesn't want to have anything to do with, 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 with the source from where the, that's the problem. The problem with the guy can't find his shidduch because his because his girl, whoever that is, is is Pashert, is, is is off somewhere. She's out. She's not interested. She's happy living a single life. <laughs> so what happens to the or the vice versa? But I'm I'm using the analogy in that in that sense that she's she's wandering. The poor guy now doesn't he lost his rib and and and, and it's not coming back. She's not unifying with him. So. The, the, the Malchus is called Hashem's wife, and the consequent and the, and the Jewish people, which are all cons- the, the, the souls, are all part of the of, of, of the, the, we are given that state of separation. Shechina, as we discussed, the whole subject that we had in the last class, which I've been teaching all week long. I've been teaching the other discourse of the yearning of the wife to reunite with her husband, Midbar Sinai, Olamoe, the intimacy. It's just, all these all these ideas flow together now. So now, again, the, the, how do you assure that by separating the man and the woman, the woman won't go off and do her own thing, but she'll come back to her husband? Now, the verse says, well, to your husband will be your longing. The natural idea that we can assure that hopefully most, most men and, and most men will find their, their, their men and women will find each other and they'll, and they'll, and they'll marry because God created an innate this satisfaction, a, 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 a certain discomfort by being alone. Now it's true about a man, but the sages say even stronger by a woman, that a woman does not want to be alone. Um, the Mara says, A woman says, better to be two than to be one, even if their husband is not such a ay She just wants to be, you know. But spiritually, what is the deeper meaning of that? I'm not getting into the psychology of that and, and what we are and when, but I'm talking about on a deeper spiritual godly level. God made it that we should always want to be close to him. But to help us remind us that that that, that and our heart should not, and that's the whole point, that we should be a wife to God and not become a wife to some other klipa. We shouldn't marry. In this world, every time we, we go and we receive pleasure from something that is not associated with our connection to God, it's on a subtle level, it's considered adultery because we are going off to, especially if it's sinful, and for sure, we're receiving life 
from someone else other than God. So in order to stop that, that like that, like the story which I told earlier about the about this young man who went off physically and he was going to be with this prostitute, until the tzitzis came and slapped him in the face and he remembered that he said, oh, and he ran away, or he, you know, he refused. It was that the tzitzis. So what's the idea? The tcheles, as we're going to see now, it's primarily the, the blue wool that has that effect. Let's see why. So now we're starting the mimer inside. In Yana tcheles, the concept of tcheles in a, is a fascinating, fascinating idea. So first of all, suddenly, the, even if we stop the class right now, it's such a rich idea. Suddenly tzitzis is so meaningful. Well, let's see what the blue wool is. And then we'll also see an interesting thing. And the Mimer will also explain how come most people don't wear the fringe of blue wool today. If you, those who notice, if if you're wearing tzitzis yourself, then you know this. If you're, um, if you are, um, if you you see people wearing the tzitzis, you'll see most of them are wearing white fringe. You don't see the blue. So what happened to the blue? So we know that this type of blue dye that comes from a special fish is something that, for whatever reason, got lost during the time of exile. The Rambam, I was actually learning the laws of of tzitzis this last week in Rambam. The Rambam explains that even though tzitzis is one mitzvah, the blue wool and the white strands, strands, it's one mitzvah, yet... Um, if you don't have the blue wool, you can fulfill the mitzvah just with the white. You don't need the wool, the blue. During the entire exile, the last 2,000 years, we lost touch with the tcheles. The tcheles kind of disappeared from Jewish observance. Now, you will see many Jews today who are wearing tcheles in their tzitzis. And you could buy them in, in, in Jewish and Judaica stores. And that is because recently in the last... Hundred years, there was a re- an attempt to restore this through various different research, and there was a few attempts to it. And the first one was by, by someone known the Radziner Rebbe, the great Rebbe's in Poland. He went and visited the Vatican, and he had a certain um, thing that he died, which he somehow came across, and he had various different convictions that this is the right chelus. He even got to the Vatican, and in the Vatican we know they have um, some of the garments or things of the high priest or whatever. And somehow, I think the story goes that he was able to compare it. He felt that his tchelis was the real dye of the blue wall. But as much as he tried, it, and to bring it back into Jewish experience, um, the, the most of the of the Jewish world didn't 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 accept his. His techeles, and they and uh, it wasn't. Uh, you would have you might have thought that it would have exploded. Everybody would take it to his techeles, but it didn't. He had a very hard time. He was trying to convince everybody, but it wasn't working. In the later years, they were doing some different type. They 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 came up in Israel. I don't know exactly when and who exactly, with a, another type of a dye taken from whatever, and they and they decide and they. And they checked it even under with DNA or whatever type of checking. 
And basically, they claim that this is the real deal. And in that sense, many people started wearing techeras. The Chabad tradition is not to. And uh, it's a little bit sourced in this mimer. Alter Rebbe says that in the time of Golos, we don't have the techeras. I don't know if this, this is the source, but this is one of the places. And the Rebbe Rashab, fifth Chabad Rebbe, also said that Tchelis is going to come back with Mashiach. Now, could be the reason it's, it came back now is because we're ready. We're ready in the Messianic uh, age, so we're touching upon. It. But do we have to wait till Mashiach Tzedkenu is fully here and the built the base on English, or are there are some people that are already wearing the Tchelis? Whatever it is, for most of the exile, the Tchelis was gone. The blue wool was gone. So over here in the discourse, we'll understand why. So let's first see what is the Tcheles and why the Tcheles is exactly this point of taking something that is disconnected, taking a, surrend- a element that's not and unifying it. So what do we see? In Yenat Tcheles in Eidalet, Gavanim Shebener. The Zohar says there are four colors in a, in a lamp, in a flame. So this Friday night, when you're going to look at your Shabbos candles, look closely. You'll find that there's more than one color in a flame. And this can be Chayim, Shar HaShabbos. When it comes to the Shabbos candles, the Holy Ari talks about the various different colors of that flame. Which it says it in the name of the Zohar. The Arizal says it in the name of the Zohar. There is white fire which means the bright, and when it says white, doesn't mean white. It means the, the very, very luminous, pure, you know, glowing, clean flame, fire. But in Tichla, there is the dark fire or the blue fire, which is right next to the wick. If you look at a flame, when you see next to the wick, it's a darker color. And then on top of it, 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 it it's, it's more orangey. And I think all the way higher up, it's like yellow. It's like different different colors of fire that there is in a in a in a in a, in a flame. So the dark fire is the part where it's touching the wick. In the atacht and anechas bepsilo. So the nohira tichla, the the this this darkish fire, is what is holding on to the wick. Why is that? Why is the the fire closest to the wick, a darker color. And the reason is because what's going on over here is that the fire is consuming. First of all, it's consuming the oil, it's burning, it's combusting the oil, the fuel. But some of the wick is also getting burnt up. The wick is not as, even you know, when the fire goes out, the wick is not as very slowly. But you know, you know if a wick doesn't have any oil in it, then the wick will burn up or, or wax coming through it. The wick will burn up very quickly. But if it does have wax, so the wick is not really burning up, but a little bit does get burnt up. Now, since the wick is a foreign entity to the fire, but the fire is taking the wick and converting the wick from being whatever substance it is into the fire. So now you have over here a mix. You have over here a a introduction, a something else burning into the fire. And that's what changes the color of the fire. In other words, pure fire is that bright orange, yellow, whatever color. The, the, the fire that is 
that where part of the fire is not pure fire, but something that's foreign to the fire, being converted to fire, that that conversion is making, the, which is in the fire that's closest to the wick, is making the fire be that blackish, bluish color. Now that word, tichla, is the same word like tcheles. And what does the word tichla mean? Tcheles, why is that that tichla word? It actually means destroying something. Like lechalot. Lechalot means to, to, to eradicate something. So the eradication of this substance and, 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 and its integration into something else is called this lechalos, to end something. Uh, like we say, and I'll give you an example, uh, in the one of the blessings of Shemona Esrei, we say, and you should end them. Ending something. Wiping it out. That's the idea of Tcheles. So that's why it explains, I'm going to say in a moment, Tcheles is an element of Gevura. It's something very intense. And it its power is to destroy a substance, to destroy and convert something, to overpower something, like fire is overpowering the wick. And, 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 oh, what did we say earlier? What's the danger of creating us separated? Once God creates us to be separated, what happens? We inflate immediately with a powerful ego. And that powerful ego doesn't want to be reined in and to serve its creator. It wants to run off and do its own thing. So there needs to be a power that continuously overpowers the ego and, 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 and bends the ego and converts the ego and then takes it back into, burns it back up into the fire. See, God is compared to fire. God is compared to fire. God, and now the wick, is considered something that's not the fire. The black fire is the wick becoming fire. So what does that mean? It's us becoming divine. How do we become divine? When we surrender ourselves to divinity, there's some of us that gives away into the divine. That's why the tzitzis, these fringes at the four corners, where the four corners represent the beginning of disconnect. It's the point where the creations go off and become independent entities at the four corners of the garment, which the garment is malchut, the king, kingship, which allows where God is covering himself, which allows for the state of separation. Right over there, you put the tcheles, which is this intense godly power to overpower our independence and pull us back in. So that is an enormous assistance because without God giving us that assistance and helping us, yeah. We would be the runaway wife. That's the concept. Well, Lefi, as he explains over here, Lefi Shemekaloyan Apsila, because from the disintegration of the wick, he's explaining now why it's a different color, the fire. It's a dark fire, is because the, the thing that's now being melting into God is a noiminoi. It's not of the same substance. It's not 
it, it's not it's not of the same substance of the fire. So call love and never boy, something that's not of the same substance is now expiring and becoming burnt up and being combustulated into the fire. It's like being eaten by the fire. That changes the fire to a darker color. So, so too, the power of Malchus, of the world of Atzilus, which we say the whole garment is Malchus, but primarily the garment, this blue thread, Malchus of Atzilus is called the blue garment, the blue thread, and generally says the entire realm of Malchus is called, let me put it this way, if, Hash, if all the spherot of Atzilus together, all the attributes which are divine, the supernal man above, if the entire entity is called a fire, Hashem is Hashem, is this, is this fire, is a blaze, the lowest part of that fire, which is the closest to us, the Shechina, Malchus, which is the closest to the world, that's the dark fire. Because Malchus serves as the, as the, the place where creations and creator touch. But the way the creator and the creation touch each other is that the creation surrender to the creator and dissolve into him. There's this constant, uh, um, because that's the purpose, that they should be surrendered. So v'kach, Malchus datzilus nikred nahoyda tichla, the Malchus of Atzilus is called the dark flame. Shenasis kiloyoin libya. She expires the three lower worlds. Bria, Yetzir, Nasiya are expiring to her. What does that mean? The worlds are not expired. If the worlds expire and there's no world, we get burnt up by God. That's terrible. When we say expiring, level, we mean that, for example, we, that the whole, whole, the whole service of elevating sparks. What's the idea of it? Something that has been completely separated from God. When we eat it and then we serve God and we use that energy to do a mitzvah, that energy is being is being reabsorbed in God. So something that was once part of the world is now the place where you saw it more than anywhere else wasn't a sacrifice. You took an animal, which was once part of the world, put it on the altar, and the fire from above came down and consumed it. And now the animal became divine. It, 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 its energy was now its 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 body, its flesh. It got eaten up in divinity, but it's not only in. It says eating is like is like is like the old. Let me say, um, uh, eating is like the altar. Same same concept because you're taking food, you're taking things that are not that are separated from Hashem, and then you're using it to serve Hashem, doing mitzvahs and so on and so forth. So that's elevating that spark. So it's all that process. But since we're taking the things from a state of disconnect, which is the world which represents a substance that's not divine, and we're bringing it into Ghanis, that's why the color of the fire is dark. The higher levels of the divine, higher than Malchut, as we're going to see soon, the higher Sephirot that are, which are, which over there, there's no separation at all, and they're not engaging. On the levels that are higher, it's not engaging the world. It's distant, it's above, it's transcendent, not engaging our reality. So it's not consuming anything. Not in, uh, so therefore, it's pure. It's pure clean fire. It's pure divinity without anything else mixing into it. But over here, the blue, the dark fire, is the taking of something that's not fire and converting it into fire. And so it's taking something that's not God and bringing it into godliness. 
So it causes a kiloyon in expiration to They become bottled to her, nullified to her. They become absorbed in her. And now he's going to say that's only in Malchut, but not in the attributes above Malchus. Until the Malchus of Atsilus, till the Malchus, that means if you're going from up down, all the levels above Malchus is 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 This is the the chain like progression of the ten spheres, the ten attributes. from cause to cause. On those levels, it's all unified. There's only oneness. It's a chad. There's only oneness there. So there's nothing that's foreign that's becoming consumed. Which isn't this case once you're hitting, we're getting to Malchus. Malchus serves as the great barrier reef that separates the upper from the lower. Malchus blocks the oneness from God to continuing because that's the whole idea of kingship like we spoke earlier. A king means that he has to be a king of those that are not him. So that's why God allows for a, a space that's not him comes from Malchus. So after, after Malchus, there's no more echad, there's no more oneness. There's already multi, there's the multifaceted creation, the multitudes of, of beings. Yet, in the, even in the separation, there should be connection. So that's where the blue fire comes in. Which isn't the case with they are already something else. Something else meaning they are they are other than the divine. The Dovar Nifrad and they are separated. Malachim, like like angels, v'neshamos and souls, and therefore, since they have already separate consciousness, what happens to them? Bitulayesh, and then when they surrender back into the unity, that's the blue. That's already a foreign thing, and that's why it's a different color. so in a the realms of atzilus, the, the which is the world of emanation, which is purely divine. That is represented by what we call white fire, plain fire. That's when you're getting to see the color of fire as fire is, pure fire. It's not coming. The fire is not stemming from something that is mixed into it. It's just a pure fire as fire is. The dovers are. It's not coming from a, from a foreign entity. Which is, it's not the wick that's transforming into fire; it's just plain fire. That's the fire. That's that's the essential state of oneness with God. The entire world of Atzilus is one with the infinite, and therefore it's pure fire. It's 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 a revelation. The entire realm of Atzilus is permeated with the truth of Chachma. Chachma's wisdom. But what's the wisdom? The wisdom is that abil- is that appreciation that he is and there's none but him. And that's the power of koyach ma. The power of being ma. Being utterly not. Ma means what? The power of complete whatness. Being identityless. That's filling the entire. So even, even though Chachma is the highest point of Atzilos and below Chachma is Bina. Uh, understanding and other sefirot. But Chachma dominates the entire world of Atzilus. And therefore, the entire world of Atzilus could be considered still the range of Chachma. And that's pure oneness with the, with, with the infinite. 
even though Atzilus is already the beginning of a world, but it's still a level of divine. Every, over there, it's 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 felt strongly that if there's anything, it's it 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 is Hashem expressing Himself as that. If there is kindness, it's God's kindness. If it's severity, it's God's severity. It's not like a creature of kindness, a being of severity. That sense of being, this separateness, starts in the next world. So Chachma dominates the, the meaning of Chachma wisdom, which is made up of two words, Koachma, the power of being what? Meaning being identityless, and that's the purifier. Um, we turn over the page, to page 90. Isn't the case of the Malchus. Malchus eats up She's a consumer. She eats up the worlds that are separate. Remember this, what we discussed in the last class, that Malchus goes down every night into the dark places. To, to she, she lowers herself down into a state of concealment. And over there, she fights with the thing to extract the sparks, which means she enters into a state of separate consciousness. But the whole point is that she goes there to wrestle out these severe, to wrestle the sparks out from their state of disconnect. And by doing that, she's taking foreign entities and integrating it into her. It's something that is not one with the with with the divine. It's something that experiences itself at least as yesh, as substance, the dover nifrad and separated from God. And if now, if it's not surrendering to Hashem and you don't have any black fire. You just have a wick that's disconnected from the fire. It's like the world separated. But when you have the 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 the, the wick burning with the fire and as a result of that the whatever is made whatever makes up the candle is getting burnt into the fire. That's that means even though what does that represent? Even though I have ego, even though I have a self, yet I am acknowledging that God is my power and God is my source and God is my everything. And therefore, I'm surrendering myself to be, to, 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 to elevate my life, to be completely devoted to the divine interest in my existence, not to my existence, but to God. So I'm including myself into, the, in, into divinity. What happens then? That's the that's the black fire. And notwithstanding that, it becomes included in this bitl, in this nullification. That's the concept of the blue fire. That comes from the wick getting burnt up. So when you see on the tzitzis, whenever you see tzitzis in the Torah, the Torah tells us many special things were made out of techelas. The priestly garments on top of the certain um, utensils of the of the Beis Amigdash, when they would travel, they put techelas on it. Um, the Mishkan itself, the tapestries on the Mishkan were made out of some techelas. So there's a lot of techelas. Whenever you see techelas, it's this idea. It's, the, it's always in Malchus, and it's the power to convert and to overpower something into godliness. Look in the Mimer, that this black fire, Nimshach, Mikloyan Apsila. Over there he explains that the black fire comes 
from the wick being burnt up, being consumed, canal, and but the white fire, which means the the, the brighter fire, that comes from the oil itself. In other words, if you, to make a flame, there is oil and there is the wick. Now both are becoming consumed in the fire. But in that discourse, he explains that the white fire is not just pure fire. The white fire is also being produced because fire needs, fire can't exist without any fuel, needs fuel. So the fire itself is getting its, is, is being fed by the oil. So the theory explains that the white fire is from the oil. The black fire is from the wick. So it comes out that even the, even the white fire is from a foreign entity because it's the oil. Now the answer is oil and fire are almost one because oil's entire identity is to be burnt up in fire. Oil is so comfortable becoming fire as if there's no friction at all. That's why oil, when you burn oil, it's silent. It doesn't make any sizzle because there's no friction. And because oil doesn't want to hold on to itself. Oil represents Chachma. Chachma is called oil. That's why we know that when they were looking, when, when King David was looking for a very wise person, um, they went to get a woman who came from an oily area of Israel. A lot of oil, olive trees. Because Shemin is Chachma. Chachma is Bittel. So oil has naturally the Bittel. Oil has no problem becoming surrendered to the fire. Almost like the oilers can't wait to become part of the fire. The wick is not too happy. The whip is not. The wick is not a happy camper. And the wick goes along into the fire, but it, because why? Because wick is, think about it. The wick is made up of a substance that's dense. The more dense you are, the more you want to stay, you want to be yourself. The more you're pulling towards yourself. The more refined you are, the more you're pulling higher than yourself. It's almost like oil is spiritual. Wick represents physical. Matter is thick and dense, but wants self. Oil, spirituality, is drawn to its source, higher. It wants to transcend itself. It wants to melt into what's higher than itself. So that's why we'll explain. Oil is not considered consuming something foreign to the fire, into the fire. The oil and the fire are completely one. But the wick and the fire, oh, here you're dealing already with something that has substance. And therefore, when the wick, when some of that wick is being consumed in the fire, it's, it's a black fire. Now, the pleasure in creation doesn't come from the oil that's being drunk up. The, the pleasure in creation comes, God's pleasure comes from the wicks that are becoming. In our life, it means that when our soul is, is 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 enjoying God. God doesn't have that much pleasure as when our bodies are surrendering to Him. Souls in heaven, they're oil. Automatically, God wants something. They just they can't wait to just dissolve in Him. But a body has its own agenda. A body says, "Hey, God says this is my schedule." The body says, "I have my own schedule. I'll see if I have a little time for you." You know, <laughs> the body the body has its own own things, and yet, precisely because of that as a result of the oil being put into the body, which is the wick, together we create the lamp of God in this world and the pleasure of Hashem in which he watches how we struggle with our egos and we surrender to him. That's the beauty. 
So he explains when the white fire nimshach ma'ashemin from the oil shemimena nimshach or tzach. That's where you get a very clean fire. Beautiful. Oil is not considered a foreign entity. Because oil is Torah, Which is the Torah. Like Torah is not considered something other than God. Torah is one with Hashem. But the, the, the wick, there's the black fire. And what did we say? Malchus is 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 again malchus is malchut is that aspect of the divine where Hashem supports creation a, a, a separateness a creation to have its own self and yet what does malchus do she she extends herself into a creation she creates them and then swallows them creates them and swallows them that's like this this tension that goes on. In Malchus, that's the it's it's to be, but 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 be not. That that's that's the that's the, that's the real um, tightrope dance in life. Is God wants us to have self, but in that self, constantly to surrender to Him. That's the daily struggle in life. Inyan, and and the moment we dissolve and become totally spiritual, the whole fun of creation goes away from God. So He doesn't want that. That's why God doesn't want most of us to be tzaddikim. Why is it that in the end there's only very few righteous people? And most of us are like pretty like, you know, <laughs> wishy-washy all over. Sometimes we're good. Sometimes we're not so good. We fail it because that's where it's entertaining to God. Right? If you had a bunch of like, you know, really all, 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 all wonderful, everybody is so great, it would be literally meaningless. You need a few, a few of those to be examples and that they can be inspiration to everybody else. But that's not where the pleasure is. The pleasure is where we struggle. The pleasure is where we're like, where, where it's difficult, where it's hard, where we have so much pulling in the other direction. And when we triumph over it and we do the godly thing, wow, we set off fireworks, firecrackers in heaven. That's the way it is. Oh, now, now watch this. This is so great. We're learning about the tzitzis. This is the whole idea of the tzitzis. It's that point of disconnect and yet to connect. And where is the parsha of tzitzis and which Torah portion? Parsha Shalach. Shlach is a story of the spies. Now, if you think about it, what happened with the spies? The spies were living in the de- they, they were they were they, they were they, they, these were people that Moshe sent from the land of Israel into the I'm sorry from the desert into the land of Israel to scout out the land. And the the spies came back, and they gave a negative report about the land. Now, one of the things they said about the land, they said it's a land that kills its people. It's a land that kills its inhabitants. Rashi says, what does that mean? They were saying it's a land that, in literal words, it means a land that eats its inhabitants. Rashi says, why did they, what does it mean? A land that eats. Rashi says, wherever they were going, they were seeing funerals. Literally. It's like, Funerals broke out for 40 days. It was like nonstop funeral. Sadly, it was like a COVID pandemic. Everybody was like all over the land. Why? So Rashi says God did it intentionally because he wanted to distract the people. Here you had spies. Hashem didn't want the people to take notice, to be busy with them. 
So in order to like, like during the COVID, no one was busy thinking about the Mexican border because everybody was just talking COVID, COVID, COVID. So they weren't looking what's happening at the border. <laughs> but 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 the moment you're not, you know this, then you're wondering like how the guy's getting across, whatever, your, your, your attention goes to something. So God kept on doing that to making sure that everybody died. And many people were dying so that people wouldn't be busy mourning. The people were busy mourning and they weren't looking at them. They came, now God was doing it for a favor for them. They turned it around for something negative. They said, well, it's, it's a crazy land. It's a land that kills people. We never were in a place where there were so many funerals. You went around every corner, there was another funeral. That was there. So you see on the simple level, they took a positive thing that God was doing a miracle for them and they turned it into a negative. How dangerous the land is. Now he's going to explain this spiritually. This is so phenomenal. This is like great. This is awesome. You see, Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel, Malchut, the Shekhinah, Malchus, it being that it's the last of the ten spherot, is also called land, earth, because earth is the lowest substance. So in the world of Atzilot, in the world of emanation, there is a whole levels and levels. Chachma is the sky. Or the 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 the, the, the masculine attributes uh, is called a shamayim, and malchus is aretz is the earth. Now that level of malchus, as it is up there in the spiritual, when it manifests in this world, to some degree, it's earth. It's earth everywhere. The earth is malchus, and that's why earth. What is malchus? Malchus malchus is the power of God. It supports life. Malchus is Hashem's speech. Hashem created the world through his speech. Malchus pets, Hashem's mouth. Hashem creates the world through his mouth, through speech. Now, what entity in this world supports life more than earth? Earth is everything. First of all, we all live on the earth. Secondly, the earth gives us food. The earth, everything, earth and, and earth as a result of the trees that it creates and the trees provide oxygen. And, and and all these things, Earth is like unbelievable. So, Earth in general represents the the concept of Malchus, but primarily, where is the element of the divine Malchus that this is holy Malchut expressed in the land of Israel? Israel is the. Now we said earlier, what's the point of God giving us independence? He gives us independence, but then he wants. The, that we should willfully choose to surrender. We should willfully, we have ego, we have self, but surrender. And in order for us to be able to do that, he helps us. How does he help us? By When we live in the land of Israel, naturally, we are more God conscious. And it's, Especially when the when the temple stood in in, in in the land of Israel, and Jerusalem had its full holiness, and so when you lived in the land of Israel, even though you could technically still sin, as we see, the Jews were driven out of the land because they sinned a lot and they had all kinds of things. But on 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 a general level, they were on a much higher level of obedience than we. And the reason that is, the land itself did not let them go astray. That's why it actually says the land of Israel can't tolerate sinners. Sinners get kicked out of the land. They they spits them out or whatever. The land does the land itself. 
God warns the Jewish people many times that the land will vomit you. The land will sucky just like it, 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 the land. So that's the deeper meaning. They said when the, the, the when the when the Miraglim came into the land, they said it's a land that eats its inhabitants. It's like the blue fire. What did the blue fire do? It's eating up the wick. It's taking the wick. The wick is a separate entity, and it's reabsorbing the wick in itself. The Miraglim were not comfortable. They said like this: If we're going to live in the land, and this is different than the explanation in Hasidus that's given in other places. So most of the memoir and most of the discourses that speak about the, the spies make the sin a very, very spiritual sin. Basically, what it says is the way the way the sin is portrayed in different discourses is that they were in the desert. They were in such a high level. They didn't want to go into the land of Israel because going to the land of Israel means they will have to start getting involved with the material. They didn't want that. They would have rather been in a state of the desert completely serving God all day, not having to do with the world. That's the usual explanation. Here there's a little twist differently. They said if we're going into a land, we want to be independent. We want it to be America. What's America? The land of the free. <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. I do my own life. That's, that's like an American. I'm free. That's the whole America. Free. I get to choose, make my choices. Government mix out of my life. Leave me alone. It's my life. I do as I wish. That's that's the core. In Israel, it's not exactly that way. You're living in Israel, you have to do what God wishes. And God does impose his will upon us. He gives us free will, but still he's imposing his mitzvot. And the meaning of, they said like this, if we're going into a land, we want to be able to live a material life so I don't have to feel guilty. I can live my life, choose, make my trend, and do what I want. I don't want to have to have a surrender. So that was their complaint. It's a land that eats its inhabitants. That malchus, the power of Eretz in the land, it like doesn't leave us alone. It gives us independence. It gives us, it gives us space, but yet it, it forces us into compliance. So that, it's almost like they did not want to live a life where, 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 where you know you have to be surrendered to God. In other words, they were rejecting Jewish life. That's what Jewish life is. Jewish life is is a life in which we all are expected to surrender ourselves completely, continuously, twenty four seven to the divine will. Now, living in the land of Israel itself helps us in that in that state. That's why the sages say that anybody that lives outside the land of Israel is like he's serving idols. In other words, the moment you're stepping out of Israel, you're stepping out of that Wi-Fi, you're stepping out of the Techelet zone. It's as if you're not wearing titsis. That's the idea. If you, if you assign it as like when you're living in Israel, it's like you it's like you're living inside under the under this massive talit, which is and its blue strings are burning you, are constantly keeping you in check. Going out of the out of the land of Israel, you'll start entertaining sinful thoughts. You'll start entertaining. You'll feel your ego. You'll feel yourself much more. And therefore, you know, you're not. So you have what we might think. What we might, we'll see in a minute that it's not that way. You have might or might think a more enjoyable life because I don't have to deal with, you know, always complying with what Hashem wants. So that's the idea. The Zay Indian, and this is the concept of Eretz Oichelas Yeshveha, 
Oicheles is the same word as techeles. It, it consumes. Right? Uh, it's a land that consumes its inhabitants. Rak. He says, The Meraglim said this as gossip, as evil talk. Beautiful word. I mean, beautiful word. It's a strong sentence that the Alter Rebbe uses over here. You don't have this much on Hasidus. Because the Meraglim were, were liars. Very strong word. You don't have that. He's like, whoa. The, the Meraglim, they were liars. That's not what it is. It's a land. It's true, but, but not the way they're seeing it. They're deceptive. Yes, Israel is a land that eats its inhabitants. It helps you be one and connected and surrender to your source. Why? Because here's the thing. What they were arguing is, and this is something very important. When I am surrendering and 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 and, and making God the focal point of my life, and I and I and I and I'm tr- transcending my own ego, my own wants, and my own desires to do God's will, is that a crusher? Does that destroy me or does that enhance me? That's the question. And this is a very, very, very important question. And you should, and the answer to that is depends who. We, like we said earlier, the oil loves being destroyed. So when it's when it's consumed in the fire, it's not, it's not, it doesn't feel like you've robbed it from its identity. Quite on the contrary, you, 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 this is what it wants. The wick, however, is maybe not so happy being burnt. That's why the wick turns black right away. It's like, you know, it's like suddenly it got all black. I'm like, it's almost like miserable being burnt. So the question is, when we surrender ourselves to God completely, is that a destruction of self or is actually that an enhancement of self? Now, the truth is, since God is life, when you're at that point of being and not being, and your beingness is like is like melting, is, is touching the non-beingness, that actually then you're attached to eternity. You're attached to, to infinity. You're attached to absoluteness. You're besides being true. And, 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 if, and, if, you, and if, you go, if you become a little bit of a deeper person, there's no greater joy than that. And quite on the contrary, when, you, when, when, you're, when a person becomes disconnected and starts worshiping themselves, that, that is... That is the that is the 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 um the recipe for depression and sadness, because the self isn't worth wor- worshiping. It's tiny. It's insignificant. It's it's dead on its own. So to worship a dead thing makes you extremely depressed. It stinks. It really is. It's we think the more we worship ourselves, the more we're busy with ourselves, the happier we'll be. But the end, what happens to the people who are doing that all day long? They end up literally, you know, needing, 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 uh, you know, therapy and stuff like that. It doesn't make them happy, miserable and depressed, and and looking for all kinds of ways to make them forget their misery, even if when you're having everything. Money, fame, everything, and it's leading you into a dark, empty black hole. But there's no satisfaction in that. Because truth, the truth of our life is God. And when we when when we can be ourselves and yet keep the window to the divine open, keep that infinite energy open, which means that we're we're conscious of Him and every moment of our existence is in a state of attachment to Him, 
And that's why we know whenever we're like lifting ourselves beyond ourselves, that's when we experience true joy. And there's an amazing statement. The Torah says this. The verse says, You who cleave to God, you are alive. In other words, in our not being, that's when we are. In our dissolving, that's when we are. Disintegrating, being combustuated in the fire is an enhancement of existence, not an destruction of existence. Now that's true about holiness. Those that belong to the realm of holy have that experience. Those who belong to the realm of the unholy don't feel that. Quite the contrary. When they surrender and they melt, for whatever reason, something compels them. Because, because the unholy is, 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 is unholy. It's not of the divine. It's not, therefore, it's irritated by the fact that it has to forgo on its ego. So you have to ask yourself the question. If there was a situation which you were called, if you want to do an internal, sometimes we need to do a little x-ray. Sometimes we need to do a little, a little, a little scan. We want to scan ourselves. Where am I in this world? Am I holy or am I not too holy? Well, what's my situation? So let's say sometimes a situation where you needed to surrender something of yourself because the situation called for. And it was difficult. You know, you sliced yourself a nice piece of cake and 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 and, and then, you know, there was a hungry person who walked in and they had nothing to eat and you actually gave it away. And you really wanted the cake. So I'm not saying there's a minute. If you're human, you feel the pain. You know, you were you 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 were like looking forward for that, for that, you know, and now you gave it away. But the question is five minutes later, are you happy? Do you feel like extra, I gave it away? Or or are you suddenly all all all, all depressed by the fact that you didn't have that, that your cake that day? Because you gave it away to someone. Or sometimes, you know, you end up giving more charity than you would have liked. It was difficult. A situation, someone, you, 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 you were in a situation, it was an emergency, and you felt bad for the person that was in that emergency state, and you extended yourself beyond yourself. More than the regular $18 you would give. This time, you really stretched yourself outside of your comfort zone. So immediately, it hurts. There's no question that it hurts. You know that this is, this is taking a chunk out of you. But the question is, a half an hour later, an hour later, are you ready to go dance? Or are you so frustrated? Like why? Like I was sucked into it. I was like you're upset at yourself that you that you did God's thing. That's a good scan. That's a way you can scan. Holiness feels more alive when it surrendered itself. The unholy feels that if it connected and surrendered, and I don't have my my immediate gratification, I feel like really, really, really terrible. So the land that eats, eats, eats its inhabitants, which means imposes, imposes upon them surrender, imposes upon them transcendence of self, is it destroying its, its is it consuming and destroying its inhabitants? Or is it actually giving them real deep life, real inner peace and inner, inner, inner meaning? Of course, it's giving inner meaning. 
But the Maraglim, they didn't scan too well. That's that's that that's the idea over here. Come and see. The Zohar says like this. He's going to quote a passage of the Zohar. Even though, watch these words of the Zohar. Even though it is the style, it is the way of this dark fire, a black fire, the dark fire. To eradicate, to destroy things, anything that it that it latches itself on, it destroys it. The Jewish people attach themselves to it, and they are actually substantiated through it. They're not destroying it. What does that mean? This black fire is the yoke of mitzvot, the yoke of 613 mitzvahs. So when you take upon yourself to keep Shabbos, or you take upon yourself to keep kashrut, right, kosher, take upon yourself family purity, which causes on all these three elements so many restrictions, so many times you would like to do something and you can do something, so many times that you have to make yourself uncomfortable because it's Shabbos, because I'm kosher, because I'm, 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 I'm keeping family purity and I'm, 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 I'm... All these things take a mitzvah. Am I sitting there and, and, and after I start introducing all these things in my life, am I miserable or am I the happiest person? So actually, by most of the people who started becoming more observant in their life, they'll tell you that they feel so happy in it. Even though it meant a lot of pain, there's no question that there's a lot of pain. But it's destroying on the outside, but nurturing on the inside. Because the inner spirit, the inner human being thrives in transcendence, not in 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 in, in instant external um um, 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 immediate gratification. It, it gets more pleasure in understanding and appreciating that it's involved in something meaningful, something higher than the, than the, the most external physical sensation, which is just empty and hollow and just a fleeting temporal uh, uh, something. And then again, the more we, we worship it, the more, the more dead we become, not the more alive we become. The Zohar brings the verse. You who cleave to God, you're alive in that break, in that, in that yielding, you're happy. You're happy. and the explanation of the Zohar is the meaning of what it says that it it's style, it's 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 that the fire's um, a natural thing is to destroy. Now we do find something like this. It says, There's an interesting statement where the sages say that the angels once misbehaved. Whatever that means, that angels are able to misbehave, but one time they misbehaved and God stuck his pinky out and he burnt them all. So what does that mean? 
he nullified them. So what does that mean? God creates the angels through a massive filter. He creates creation through a filter. The angels have less filters than us, but they too have filter. Because if they if they would there would be no filter, they would be swept up by the unity of God. But he's all pervading truth. So there's a filter. When it says God stuck his pinky out, it means God revealed a little bit more of his malchut, a little bit more of his kingship. He lessened the filter a little, allowed a little bit more light out. And because there was a greater revelation of God, it sucked them in and destroyed them. And they were not, and, and they were burnt, which means they were eradicated. So what do you see from here? That it's possible that it that something should destroy something by by nullifying it, it can destroy it. And, that, and over there it was a punishment for the angels. Here we're saying that being eaten by the land, e- being eaten by the Shekhinah, is actually not a destruction of self, but a, an enhancement of self. So that is explaining. This is what the Meraglim were saying. The spies, they were saying Lashon Hara, they were saying something terrible. What were they saying? It's a land that will destroy us. Meaning to say when they looked at, they were imagining life in Israel having to keep all those mitzvot and all those laws and they saw a bunch of suppressed people. People feeling completely like like slaves. Like it would be slavery to God. Not like joyful servants who are serving their master. But people that are feeling like totally crushed and abused. That when we have this bitl, he is battle mimitsiyas and it's going to nullify us completely. It's like it's like it's like when God stuck out his finger and he burnt them. Similar to that, it's going to just I think he doesn't mean that physically it's going to destroy us. I think he meant over what he means over here is that psychologically we won't have a self anymore. It will destroy the self. In truth, it's not so. On the contrary. Life, the main life, the, the main experience of life and energizing of life flow comes from comes from surrender. The more surrendered you are, the more life you have. The more separate a person is, the more dead they are. The, as he says, the bittel, the nullification, that's life. It's not a bittel that eradicates you completely. It, it, it brings you in, connects you, unifies you with the source. By the angels, it was a punishment, so it destroyed them completely. That's why they became completely destroyed. Which isn't the state in the nullification of the Jewish souls. Other rabbits, on the contrary, through your cleaving to God and through your surrender to God, that actually makes you more healthy. That gives you more more pleasure and more delight and more energy and more feeling more alive, not less alive. And that's why we see when we manage to follow God's instructions and to do the mitzvahs and to stick and to stay the course, we are generally far more happier. And when we, you know, start pursuing what we 
what the external self wants to dictate to us, it generally leads down to a road of depression and darkness. The reason is like it says in Zohar Shom, come and seek. Call in in the le'ela ba'hu noira tichla iskalalim. The Zohar says like this: all the supernal beings, the higher beings, when this blue, blue, blue fire comes, they become integrated into it. But lower creatures, lav ochi, they're not that way. The inon and the reason why they're not that way, the Zohar says, because milon gasa, because they are, they are an entity of density. They're dense. So what basically it's the difference that we spoke about the oil and the and the wick. Oil because oil is very refined substance, so it it's comfortable in surrendering. It's comfortable in integration. It's comfortable in ascendance beyond itself. But the more material something is and dense it is, the more it sees surrender and integration as a conflict to its to its existence. As a will begin kach and because of this. It's like in a marriage. A husband and a wife can be so engaged and so involved in each other's comfort and in each um, satisfying each other that he, as much as he she, she's bothering him to do so many things for her, and he's you know she you know whatever they do, they don't see it as a bother. It's a delight. They thrive. In 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 serving each other, but if the if the if there's disconnect over there and there's no good connection, then everything is a burden. The smallest thing, why are you bothering me? Everything is a bother. Everything is heavy. Everything is because it's it because it, there's a lack of connect. So the upper beings are excited in the surrender to God. They, they thrive in it. In the divine pleasure, and that itself is their pleasure and is their life. The lower beings feel feel themselves more, and therefore get irritated when God is when God is interfering, so to speak, with their with their with their uh, with their uh, lives and 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 agendas. Before it's understood, and this this consuming fire does not destroy and eradicate only something that's dense. That's what I said earlier. How do you know, how does a person know what their identity is if they're an identity of holiness or if your very identity is klipa, unholy? How do you do a scan? So you see, so he says over here, the klipa, klipas noga, klipa is meant, it's dense. And therefore it, 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 it recognizes God, but it wants its own independence. And it wants to be its own thing. <clears throat> and therefore, if God does extend his truth a little too strong over it and, 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 and rallies it in or, or, or lassos it in, it doesn't like it. It's very, very upset. It, 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 it feels like it's an encroachment and destruction of, of its existence. As he says, that's what Klippa is. Klippa is not holy. It's something separated completely, similar to what we spoke earlier in the fire, the wick. And therefore, it can't be called, it can't be included in Malchus. It could become included in Malchus, but when it becomes included in Malchus, 
it doesn't retain itself in that nullification. It's either I'm me or I'm you. And if I'm you, I'm, I don't exist anymore. I, once, I remember years ago, I gave a class about it. And the example that I, that I used, I think it's a good example, is, is a husband and wife in a car. Right? And, uh, you know, they're driving, so they have a little, and they have, you know, they get into a little, a little, a little, uh, a little um, argument about which road to go, go this way, you go that way, or go, you know. And uh, the wife is giving instructions to the husband. Okay? This is the day. Today's days, you know, by the way, the GPS helped a lot of, a lot of uh, solving marital problems. Because women always like to tell their husbands how to drive. Husbands have egos. They don't want to be told how to drive, right? So, so when it was now, thank God, there's the GPS. You put it on, and the wife can say, you know, you know, she doesn't have to tell them every second what to do. But before those days, it really could make problems. But let's say, you know, you're going to San Diego, okay, Los Angeles. I don't know all your listeners are familiar with the roads over here, but let's say there's two ways to go down south. You can take the 405, or you can take the the um, you take the five, okay, the five or the four hundred five. Um, now it used to be, remember, well, I remember, you know, just not too long ago, we used to listen listen to the radio to the traffic reports. Who listens to traffic reports today? Because today you have everything. Uh, you, you have the. So, let's say, you know, he decides he's going on the five, but his wife is nagging him. He should take the four hundred five. So he knows it's better not to fight with her because it's not going to be good. So he'd rather just listen to her. But he's frustrated because he knows that the 405 is going to be massive traffic. And he has that, he has that. But was he going to go fight with his wife? Fine. So he listens to her. And now they're on the 405. And lo and behold, it's bumper to bumper traffic. And they're not moving. First of all, he's enjoying it. You see, the first five minutes, he has enormous pleasure from the fact that he was right. You understand? And that she's suffering now because she's in the car. But if, if, so now there's two there's two husbands thing at the after he overcomes the initial the initial foolishness of the of the argument now he he can say to her basically either by talking or not talking he say okay now it's your problem okay. he's sitting there he's not trying to wiggle his way you know in between the lanes he's not trying to find your way your way I'm shutting up. I'm down. You wanted it your way. I have it your way. Now we're here. We're going this way. And that means that yes, he surrendered to her, but his surrender of self is in a manner that he's not present in that surrender. He, in order for, in other words, it's her and not him. The real deeper marriage is if he can go end up to on the 405 where she wanted to go. And yet while he's there, he's still going to use his driving skills or whatever it is that he knows to try to help out the situation and get them there the fastest they can if they have to go around the exit and go off over here and come around over here. And and not sit there and like, okay, it's your issue now, it's you, not me. In other words, he doesn't disappear in in the nullification. That's just a little example. You can even be destroyed disappear in the nullification you're not it's you not me or you can actually you know i'm happy it you know it's it's you we did your your way and i take responsibility in this in this situation i'm still there while i am not 
And that's the question over here in our relationship with God as well. Kalipa is one that if it goes, if it surrenders to God, I'm out, I'm checked out. Holiness can do the godly thing and yet and surrender, even if it, and yet still be and present, integrate itself into it. It's just one of the manifestations of this, this concept and this idea. Do you thrive in the non-being or, or you are destroyed in the non-being? Because if you're thriving in the non-being means that in the know you really are, but you're really much deeper now because you're not you're, you're, you're not defined by the narrow self that you were defining yourself earlier. Now you're much broader. Now you extend it. You extend it to take... To, to 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 include your wife into your existence she and you are now one you're much bigger than self than the narrow it's still self but it's a much deeper higher self that's not defined by the narrow needing to be right or needing to have it my way my wish right now in this narrow little sliver of of ego that's the concept so as he says Klippa, the czar, when it, if it surrenders to holiness, it's in a way that when it goes in, it's, it's out. The way the Klippa, if Klippa gets, con, enters into Malchus, it's destroyed. Oh, this will give us an amazing explanation. When Mashiach comes, What's going to happen with all the, all of humanity? Are 8 billion people going to survive the revelation of God and 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 be there or or not? The revelation is for everybody. That's the idea. The revelation is not just for the Jewish people. It's for all of mankind. Question is when God is revealed and it becomes crystal clear that God is your truth of your life. And as a result of that, it's his will. Will that kill you or will, or will you thrive in that? That depends on your choices today. This is a very, a very powerful idea. If we become comfortable with serving God, if we become comfortable with, with living with a life of, of a higher consciousness, so when the revelation is going to actually hit us and it's going to be, we're going to ease into it with joy and quite in the contrary, our lives are going to become enhanced a million times more. And there are some people who that revelation will literally kill them. Literally kill them. And not because God is killing them, but because they cannot accept that I, in other words, it's, it's, it's a contradiction to their existence. If you're very uncomfortable transcending yourself and living for something higher and now it's taken away from you because this uh, truth is obvious you know if my life can't be anymore just about me then why do i have to live anymore i don't even want to live and I, and I think that's that's where humanity will divide those who will embrace it and those who will get sickened and and uh, psychologically sick at as a result of it, then just check out. And there's no choice anymore. You, you have to be... <laughs> so let's hope that most people can tolerate this, can include themselves in this. 
but it has a lot to do with 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 the way we're we're behaving now. Because here's the thing, here's the thing, it's an actual, it's like an acquired taste. If we're if we are um, you know immature, then we like pizza and hot dogs. Right? That no one has to be sophisticated to learn how to like a hot dog. And no one needs to be very sophisticated to like pizza or candy. But to drink fine wines takes, 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 and to enjoy it takes. If you take a little four-year, uh, you know, uh, uh, six-year-olds or, or even eight-year-olds, and you and you find them and, and you make them a party, and you're not bringing pizza and, and cupcakes and whatever, but you're bringing, you know, really, 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 um, you know, gourmet foods and, and fine wines and not not uh, lemonade. Uh, for them, it's horror. They're not enjoying one minute of it. It's just horror. But if you develop the taste for it, then the pleasure you have from fine wines is much more than the than the than the than the than the pleasure that that can be come from a cupcake or even a piece of pizza. It's a much richer, complex pleasure. Same as with music, a certain type of music that you know it's 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 the most immediate, but whatever. There's nothing to it. No skill to it. There's no refinement to it. There's nothing to it. It's just boorish music. It speaks to some people, those that are unrefined. To, to enjoy classical music, to enjoy a fine piece of or art, and so on, that you have to sensitize yourself. And the same is the acquired art of being able to live in surrender and have this immense pleasure in that integration in the in in, in into the into something bigger than yourself and higher than yourself. But we need to practice that already now. And it's not only Jews, non-Jews also. We'll need to start living with a much higher sensitivity. of, And then when Mashiach comes, it won't kill us. Quite on the contrary. We will, have, we will live in the deepest pleasure and ecstasy. But if we, we, we're stubborn now in, in, just, in just living the immediate, the immediate self, then that life, that existence is completely going to be a contradiction to it. That's the idea. Klippa gets disintegrated in this revelation. These from above, that come from the bitl of the side of holiness, even though they become integrated into Malchus, bebitl in the state of bitl, im koze enay machala oisam, it doesn't destroy them, chasr shalem, kim zeu tachle shleimus metziyasa. Not, here's the beauty of it. It doesn't destroy them, but this is the epitome of the perfection of their existence. The perfection of their existence is this integration into something higher than them. Now, where do we find this this idea? He says it's possible. This is what God was showing Moshe by the burning bush. The first revelation to when Hashem came to Moshe was in a thorn bush. It says that the sne, the, the thorn bush, was burning in the fire. But the snare, even though it was burning, was not getting consumed. What was Hashem showing Moshe? You had a bush. It was burning, but it wasn't getting combustuated in the fire. It wasn't being destroyed in the fire. 
Well, from here we see, the midrash says from here we see that the supernal fire it burns, but it doesn't consume. How does that fit? What does that mean? The The reason why God, the God fire on the bush, this bush which was a low bush, was referring to the Jewish people because the Jewish people are a humble people and they're few in the world. And that's why it's compared to this low leaf, this low bush. And when the fire goes on this bush, it doesn't burn it. And the fire goes into some other big tree and so on and so forth. It will burn it. But it's not like the fire, the it's not that it's a fireproof, that the fire is not a burning fire. It's the substance that it was burning. The snare was ready to, to be in the fire. In other words, it's, it's, it's ready to serve the fire, to host the fire and not become... And, 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 and hosting a fire, you're getting burnt by it, but not be burnt as a result of being of, of, of getting that burn. In other words, do you do you get burnt up because you're burning? No. So to host God in this world is 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 is, 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 is God is intense. He has an opinion about everything. <laughs> Every single thing he wants to mix into. In your life, he doesn't want to leave you alone in anything. What you eat, he has an opinion. What you wear, he has an opinion. How your kitchen is, he has an opinion. How you work your bedroom, he has an opinion. How you do business, he has an opinion. And he's very and he and he's naggy. He doesn't want to stop with his every minute. Opinion, opinion. So that's pretty pretty intense guest. And we want to host the God. So now. Are you are are you a joyful host, even if the guest is pretty 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 uh, pretty uh, demanding or not? So the snare, that's what he's saying. The Jewish people allow them are burning in the fire. They're hosting the fire, and not, but it's not destroying them. Actually, they're getting great pleasure in it. It's lower than all trees. You are a few, but. You are, the main point of it is that the Jewish neshama is cut out. The Jewish soul is cut out for this type of a thing. To bend and yield and be happy in the yielding. Enjoy the, 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 the self-surrender. They, they, like our father Abraham said, I'm dust and ashes. Even though the the fire is burning the thorn bush, what does that mean? That the flames of divine fire is is burning the souls of Israel. What does that mean? And lifting them up that they want to attach themselves, which means which means to nullify one's ego. But it doesn't eradicate them in that. The main eternal life comes from this nullification. That the fire destroys klipa, but not the soul. And does not destroy holiness. 
Dvarim oid meze oid meze bezoyer cheli beis daf samach tesam at beis cheli gimel daf reish pei ame beis or beravis b'shira shirim reish pesh reish parshes some chinu ba'ashishes u'be'ishes shel sne oid yeshlaim epidish va'atem adveikim chayim apimashkoset bezoyer parshes va'yigash brought a bunch of sources for this idea. Begin the itzrich l'shavcha chay l'chay at chayim kulchem. I didn't look up all these sources, and I'm sure if we would look it up, we would be way way more informed and smarter. But we didn't look it up, so I don't know. Just a whole bunch of sources which indicate or speak to the same idea. Like it says in the pasuk, now we go back to the words of the Mimer. Fear of God is to life. The fear of God, which is the surrender of God, that itself brings life. Yiddish Hashem, fear of Hashem, Toysef Yamin, adds life. Why? Because how does God create the world? God creates the world through his attribute of kingship. Therefore, the more we, and which means that the power of life that's flowing through the world, the actual trigger of life, the power, the force that creates the cosmos and all of existence every second is creating it with, without of God's interest of being a king over it. So let's understand something. The healthiest way to treat anything is to treat it in accordance to the way the designer designed it to operate. Think about it. You know, if you follow the owner's manual, the one who created the car to the T and you do what the owner says, you're treating the car based on the instructions of the mechanic who built it, that car is going to last much longer. If you're utilizing something in the way it was meant to be used. Now, what happens if you're utilizing something and you're utilizing it not in the way it was used, it was meant to be used for something else? You might get some usage out of it, but in the end, it's going to break. It's going to be much weaker because it wasn't created for that. And here's an amazing thing. God creates us with the interest that we surrender to him, that we negate our, 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 our desires and wants for his will. And that's the healthiest way to live. That's the way we thrive. That's healthy. That's long living. People have this idea that if if you if you're born with certain desires or wants, well, we all have certain tendencies, and 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 you don't. And you don't give in to all your, te- you don't follow your tendencies and your natural things. You're suppressing yourself. Suppression is a terrible thing. It's very unhealthy. It's very. Now. And, 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 and what are we seeing over here? God creates us with evil inclination and he creates that in and and he creates that evil inclination that it's it's meant not to be not to be activated. It's meant to go against its, and that's the purpose of its existence. And that's how and that's why God is fueling its existence to, to give it energy. So as it's fulfilling its purpose, it's getting more life and more, and ultimately, obviously, more satisfaction. Obviously, 
it requires a little bit of learning as well. Because when we understand it and when we appreciate it, that's what we, we, we realize it's not suppression. You're right, suppression is no good, but it's not suppression. It's, I don't know what would be the modern term for it. The life of the world is its surrender to God. Which isn't the case with something that is separated from God's kingship. Meaning God is creating it and then it runs off immediately to do its own thing. It doesn't really have life. In other words, even if temporarily, momentarily it's alive because God just gave it life. But since it's not in accordance to what Hashem wants, there's no real life. The life is not really connecting to it. And therefore, it's a place of death. And the main life, is is the surrender canal, which is the concept of the tzitzis, the techeles, the end of the garments, because it's meant to infuse, even in the place where we gain our independence, that that independence should be used for us to choose to surrender. Okay, the mimer, this is just Sif Aleph. This is just the first Sif on the mimer, and the mimer has three Sifim. sifim. But I'm a little tired. And I still have to give a, a class tomorrow. So I think we're going to leave the conclusion of this as Hashem for next week. Anyways, in Parshas Kairach, I don't have a mimer because we used up. Finish. And maybe, however, once in the middle of the week, I'm going to do at least Sif Bays, and then we'll do Sif Gimel. And there's actually in the back over here. Wow. This mimer really has. No, it's really two mimer. Okay. So we'll give it probably another two classes on this.